This week's case study is on John Wayne Gacy, who was an American serial killer and sex offender who assaulted and murdered at least 33 young boys. He was known as the Killer Clown because he would dress up as a clown and perform at children's birthday parties in order to find new victims. Gacy was close to his two sisters and mother, but endured a difficult relationship with his father, who was an alcoholic and physically abused his wife and children. One of Gacy's earliest childhood memories was of being beaten with a leather belt at the age of four for accidentally disarranging car engine components his father had assembled. On another occasion, he was struck across the head with a broomstick and rendered unconscious. When he was six years old, he stole a toy truck from a neighborhood store. His mother made him walk back to the store, return it, and apologize to the owners. His mother informed his father, later, who beat Gacy with a belt as punishment. After this incident, Gacy's mother attempted to shield her son from his father's verbal and physical abuse. Yet, this only succeeded in Gacy earning accusations that he was a sissy and mama's boy and who would probably grow up to be a queer. Timothy McCoy was Gacy's first known murder that occurred on January 2nd of 1972. McCoy was traveling from Michigan to Omaha. Gacy took McCoy on a sightseeing tour of Chicago, then drove him to his home with the promise that he would spend the night and be driven back to the station in time to catch his bus in the morning. Gacy claimed that he woke early the following morning to find McCoy standing in his bedroom doorway with a kitchen knife in his hand. He then jumped up from his bed. McCoy raised both arms in gesture of surrendering, tilting the knife upwards and accidentally cut, cutting Gacy's forearm. He then twisted the knife from McCoy's wrist, banging his head against his bedroom wall. He kicked him against his wardrobe and walked towards him. McCoy then kicked Gacy in the stomach, doubling him over. Gacy then grabbed McCoy, wrestling him to the floor, then stabbed him repeatedly in the chest as he strangled him. Gacy walked out of the room to wash the knife off and found the kitchen table made up with bacon cooked and breakfast ready. Robert Peist, another victim. Robert was murdered shortly after 10 p.m. at Gacy's home. Gacy later stated that he dubbed he dubbed Peist into, into donning handcuffs before stating, I'm going to rape you and you can't do anything about it. As Peist began weeping, Gacy laughed. He also stated that, he, that as he placed the tourniquet around Peist's neck, the boy was crying and scared. He also admitted to having received a phone call from a business acquaintance as Peist lay dying because of suffocation on his bedroom floor. When Peist, Gacy's final victim, failed to return home, his family filed a missing persons report. Gacy was, was named as the contractor that Peist had most likely left the store with to talk about a job. A, a routine check of Gacy's criminal background revealed that he had an outstanding battery charge against him in Chicago and, and had served a prison sentence in Iowa for the sodomy of a 15-year-old boy. At 3.20 in the morning, Gacy, covered in mud, arrived at the police station claiming that he had been involved in a car accident. Upon returning to the police station later, after being requested, Gacy denied any involvement in the disappearance 
of Pice and repeated that he had not offered him a job. When asked why he had returned to the pharmacy at 8 p.m. where Pice was working, upon his return, Amaranti asked Gacy what he had what he had to discuss with them. Gacy picked up a copy of the Daily Herald from Amaranti's desk. He pointed to the front page article covering the disappearance of Robert Peist and informed his lawyers, this boy is dead, he's in a river. Over the following hours, Gacy gave a rambling confession that ran into the early hours of the following morning. He began by informing Amarant and Stevens he had been the judge, jury, and executioner of many, many people, and that he now wanted to be the same for himself. He stated most of his victims were buried in his crawl space and others in the Des Plaine River. Gacy dismissed his victims as male prostitutes, hustlers, and liars to whom he gave the rope trick, adding that he occasionally awoke to find dead strangled kids on his floor with their hands cuffed behind their back. While the case lasted weeks, the jury was able, was able to deliberate for more than two hours before sentencing Gacy to death for each murder committed after the Illinois Statute of Capital Punishment came into effect on June 1977. Execution was initially set for June 2nd of 1980, but he wasn't executed until May 10th of 1994, 14 years later, by lethal injection.